Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to Riz Ahmed, the star of HBO's The Night Of and the new Star Wars movie, Rogue One. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor of TV, and it's my pleasure to welcome this week's guest, Riz Ahmed, the star of a little TV show called The Night Of. How are you doing? Thanks so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. So you've got The Night Of, of course, which was on HBO last summer, and there's a few other movie projects going on, but I'm going to talk TV because that's my passion. Sure. So it's been a while since The Night Of. How's that success settled in for you? Um, it kind of is quite surreal, if I'm going to be honest, because uh, it was such a kind of roller coaster just getting the project made. There were so many ups and downs and obstacles, and it was... A, you know a very kind of challenging shoot uh, physically and in other ways that for it to have even kind of got to the finish line let alone to have been received so well is kind of feels crazy yeah I know it ended on such a cliffhanger and now all the talk is about whether or not there would be a second season is that something you would even contemplate doing um you know from my understanding is that it was always conceived of as a standalone miniseries um personally I, I don't know it's interesting I guess I feel like the ending isn't so much of a cliffhanger as as it is a bittersweet ending that kind of embraces the 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 kind of messiness and the tragedy and the you know kind of open-endedness of 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 the reality of that situation sure. you know when you come out of prison it's like yeah it's tough it's tough readjusting and uh you know so many murder cases kind of don't get pursued the, the way they should but I I it's weird because a lot of people kind of come up to me and say, so, you know, who do you think did it? For me, it's really clear, you know, how it's resolved. But I guess uh, the the kind of pleasure is in people's ability to kind of interpret it differently. How did you interpret it? Um, I, yes, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess for me, I'd like to, I guess I'm biased, but I'd like to think that, you know, it wasn't Nas. Um and uh, that it was actually, you know, spoiler alert. I know, I should have cautioned this, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about what happens in the ending of Night Out. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of um, thought that the way the kind of detective box corners the business manager and and kind of confronts him, for me, that feels quite conclusive. Obviously, he hasn't been tried by a a jury of his peers, but to me, the kind of, the clues point that way, his reactions seem to be a giveaway, Box seems to be someone who who has a kind of good instinct, even though it kind of betrayed him at the very start with Nas. Um... So for me, yeah, it feels like it's it's uh, it's definitely not Nas. But the tragedy, of course, is that Nas can never know that, 
and he can never be free of that kind of question mark that hangs over him um, in terms of how he sees himself but also in terms of how others see him and of course Nas went through a total transformation from the beginning of the show to the end of the show emotionally physically what was that like for you as an actor to portray that um it was certainly kind of one of the most challenging things i've done for for a variety of reasons i think um firstly just on a really basic level my background is in kind of british indie movies so they're usually three to maybe five week shoots if you're lucky you might get a sixth week so to kind of do a shoot over a course of eight months is a is a is really a very different kind of animal and it requires a different kind of stamina and a different kind of concentration and a different kind of trust actually as well that you've got a big enough canvas that if you just kind of you know focus on each individual brush stroke from day to day then the big picture will paint itself you don't have to carry so much of the character or the story from one beat to the next which is liberating but requires quite a lot of trust you know that the process will get you to where you want to go so that was challenging um i guess on from a big picture point of view and then i, I guess um the transformation physically was uh the, the transformation physically was something that i was not prepared for you know um if i'm honest when i signed on to do the project i just had the pilot episode so it was when I got the following seven episodes and you kind of understand, okay, there's this heroin addiction starts and there's, um, you know, he becomes a different person. He transforms physically. Uh, that's not something I was expecting. And um, it was tough. You know, it just meant, you know, hour and a half to two hours in the gym every day, six days a week after 12-hour shoot days. You know, it was it was very, very physically challenging. Um, but... But in a way, I was grateful for that. I was grateful that, you know, when you've got a character who is, uh, you know, by dint of his of his situation has to be kind of passive. I had that outlet to be able to express his transformation. You know, that physical um, that physical side was able to kind of fill in for, you know, where he he wasn't able to make active choices or or speak um, as much as, you know, you might you might be used to when you see a character transform. I mean, this was such an internal role. I mean, as you were saying, like, you know, you, it, it, you had to portray so much just through your eyes, through your expressions. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's interesting because I'm, I, my own personality is quite kind of lively and I can be kind of quite, you know, hyperactive. I'm, you know, I'm a rapper part time. I'm like jumping around in like nightclubs. And, and so it, it was really, um, it, 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 was, it was interesting because, on the surface, you'd kind of think, okay, a character like Nasir, he is a Pakistani-American. He's kind of lives that kind of double life between his cultural, you know, uh, background at home and his kind of American life. And, and all this, you know, on paper, you might think that there's a lot of similarities with me. But I guess on a kind of personal level, uh, the kind of nuances of his personality are drastically different to, to, to my own so that was its own kind of challenge you know kind of um, again just kind of trusting the script and trusting the story um, and, and trusting that kind of from one moment to the next if you commit to that then then that big picture will paint itself but it was uh, it was still quite even though there wasn't kind of a lot of dialogue or he might not have been particularly active from one moment to the next there was emotionally it was quite a draining role um I interview a lot of people whenever I take on a role. So I interviewed lots of people that have been to prison, you know, for m many, many hours and visited Rikers Island Prison and 
spoke to a lot of people that were fresh out of the system or you know had convictions overturned um and uh that weighed heavily on me you know i i felt like a great sense of responsibility and i wanted to kind of really go there and kind of put myself in in that place emotionally which over the course of you know six seven eight months is um you know it does it does take its own toll obviously you know nothing compared to what people really go through when they're in these situations but when you're having these stories come out stories like that of Khalif Browder or you know Adnan Saeed and um, it, it you do feel a sense of responsibility I'm sure it was so amazing the timing because just as this was coming out there was all of this talk about criminal justice reform going on in this country it just really felt like it hit a nerve um, yeah it's interesting you know that I think when we started filming and when the scripts had, really, had originally been written, it was 2012, when maybe these conversations around, um, you know, Islamophobia, racial justice, criminal justice and the prison system, the right to a fair trial, these conversations were not as prominent in, um, you know, in our media. Um, and it's, it seems almost prescient that, you know, when you've got writers like Steve Zalian and Richard Price, they've got their finger on the pulse and they are kind of... In a way, they didn't kind of set out. Well, actually, I know for a fact they didn't set out to get on a soapbox and address certain issues or make an issue-driven, um, you know, piece of television. I think they were just—they are slaves to realism, you know. And they d- did the research. Uh, you know, got someone like Richard Price who is steeped in kind of like the new, the underbelly of New York criminal justice system with his writing, anyway. Um, and they just kind of tried to very faithfully reflect the reality as they saw it and when you do that I think you can't help but have some of these very uh, relevant and resonant themes bubble to the surface I think often we're just used to kind of drama kind of simplifying or obfuscating or sweeping some of these things under the carpet I think they were just trying to tell it like it is and when you tell it like it is you can't ignore that you know there are some glaring injustices at the heart of our system did you have any idea when you were making it that you were going to start such a national conversation that people were going to get so into it and really embrace it? You know, not at all. Uh, I, you know, I have to be honest, I was almost convinced that this show would just be lost in the glut of gourmet TV that you have out there at the moment. You know, um, I always knew, you know, we've got amazing writers and, you know, they were trying to make something visually very distinctive. Steve Zalian had a very distinctive vision, had amazing DPs and brilliant cast, but, you know, so many shows have that kind of amazing cocktail of ingredients too um and when we were filming the pilot back in 2012 you, you know we kind of thought okay if it, this comes out in 2013 maybe that would be cool you know tv that has the aspirations of cinema but when you're shooting something in 2015 and it's coming out in 2016 you're like no everyone's doing that so i i really didn't think that it would you know strike a chord like that. I wasn't even sure if it would find an audience, quite frankly, particularly when you're making something that's quite dark and uncompromising, you know, and when things are tough politically and economically for people, sometimes they look for escapism rather than looking at, you know, um, the bleak reality that faces in the mirror. And so I, I just wasn't sure if it would find an audience full stop. Talk about working with John Tortura. I mean, what an incredible performance and what an incredible actor. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing guy. He's, uh, he's also a hilarious guy. He's um, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I kind of have this theory that um, on-set dynamics and kind of uh, on-page on dynamics end up kind of mirroring each other to some extent. And that's kind of unavoidable. And so 
um, John Tatora and I kind of developed this kind of rapport as well where he was kind of taking me under his wing and I was you know um, grateful for that but then would like kick against it a bit and and so we we, we I, you know I'm kind of glad to call him a friend now and um, he's full of kind of endless wisdom he's just worked on so many different projects plays films um, and so many different kinds of roles but he always kind of conveys his wisdom through um, through cooking metaphors so he'll be like, he'll be like, Jod, what do you, you know, what do you, how do you get into an intense scene? And he'll say, you know, when you, when you, when you're cooking meat, when you're making a steak, what you got to do is you got to tenderize the meat, just tenderize the meat. And then you just leave it in the oven and that's all. And you're like, well, wow, that's kind of genius actually. You know, it's like, yeah, just let the oven of the scene take care of things. But you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, less appropriate his, his metaphors are like okay don't tell me metaphors about carving turkeys when we're talking about a murder <laughs> scene alright I don't need that right now um, so yeah he's, he's a great guy and very generous very giving and also I think um, we both kind of respect you know hard work like it's you know he'd be in there every morning warming up his voice going through his scenes you know and I think he really appreciated that I I I like working hard, you know. I um, we see me off in the corner working on things, and I think he took a shine to that. One of the most surprising things I think about the series was the friendship that developed between Nas and Freddie. Talk about working with Michael Kenneth Williams. You know, he is a unique guy. He's I've never met quite met anyone like him. You know, he is. He comes from a kind of quite a you know tough background. He comes from the projects. He comes from Brooklyn. Um, that is part of who he is. And yet he also is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, used to be a dancer and has also got this incredible eye for fashion and, uh, like, you know, very generously kind of bought me this jacket once, which is just this like, outrageously fashionable showpiece that I'm not sure I would ever be able to pull off. Um, you know, just kind of incredible mix of, like, sensitivity and, and grit. Um, yeah, that that was that, that was quite, um, and in a way, kind of very different kind of process to John Totoro's, which is um, very kind of overtly steeped in, well, at least you know, seeing him prepare in in uh, technique. Um, of course, what Michael K. Williams does has like his endless technique. Everything he's doing, his physicality to his voice, <clears throat> but he had an uncanny ability to just slip into it very, very effortlessly. And I guess you know, he is he is the expert when it comes to doing these long-form cinematic pieces, really, from The Wire to Boardwalk Empire to The Night Of, you know, he is almost synonymous with this format um, uh, when it's done at its, you know, at its best. So I think in a way, actually, he was, he was the most experienced person on set when it came to kind of like knowing where to pitch your energy and how to manage your energy and where, where to pitch tonally and 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 all that kind of stuff so he you know he was he was old hat with it and and uh kind of it was it was beautiful to watch i know we've talked about this before but fans were upset about the kiss what have you had any more thoughts about the kiss or the reaction to the kiss or how fans thought about it um well they didn't get the kiss between me and michael k williams if only that had happened well then maybe they would be balancing it out <laughs> that would be a different show yeah they off-camera kiss the um well I think, in a way, I, I think I think it's actually quite an important moment. Um, I think it does speak to kind of, um, you know, Chandra's inexperience 
and I don't think that that's um, you know kind of sexist to say oh like oh she's a woman so she got she's just inexperienced and you know when you when I was interviewing lots of people that have been through the prison system and I you know interviewed people at the Innocence Project <clears throat> which is an amazing NGO which kind of works to overturn wrongly convicted people using you know uh, new DNA evidence and I was speaking to defense attorneys it is very common for you know these male female bonds to form uh, between convicts and people trying to help them um, often the women trying to help them sometimes it ends in marriage Man. you know it's mm-hmm. and they may be social workers they may be sometimes it's it's lawyers as well and you know they get their one phone call it, it is very common actually that that one phone call doesn't go to family because speaking to family somehow you know reminds you reminds you of the life that you're missing out on the life you've left behind whereas speaking to this new source of affection is it holds a kind of promise you know even implicitly so those kind of in, kind of relationships those relationships that walk a tightrope between you know what's appropriate and inappropriate what's professional and unprofessional what's intimate and and you know just you know pitiful um they they actually are quite common and i thought it was very important for nas as well to show his transition from prey to predator you know he, he is a kind of selfish act it's 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 a once a kind of vulnerable act he's he's you know dying out for affection and attention but it's also a kind of maybe this is something i can control maybe there is someone i hold in the palm of my hand just as i feel that as though the you know the world is holding me in its palm right now so it's it's a i think it's a moment where the puppy becomes a bit of a wolf actually and i think it's important from that point of view would you want to take on another tv series like this um Yes, I would. And the reason I, the re- only reason I was kind of thinking about it was just um, uh, a series like this. I, I don't know if I'll come across another series like this. You know, the, the kind of transformation that the character gets to undergo, the incredible team uh, around it, um, you know, the kind of the import of the subject matter, I think is quite a unique kind of combination. Um, but certainly kind of having that big canvas... Um, and and having the security to some extent of knowing that you will find an audience <clears throat> you you know you this is home delivery you're not asking people to go to the cinema in an age when it's harder and harder to people to go to the cinema particularly if it's not a kind of cgi driven spectacle um having that security around what you're doing having the time to let a performance breathe is a real gift certainly and it seems to me that a lot of the kind of really kind of meaty roles are being written for television so it's something that's increasingly appealing i think for for all actors I've got to ask you about another TV role I spotted you in, a TV show called The OA that's going to be on Netflix. What can you reveal about it? <laughs> uh, I can reveal absolutely nothing about that, unfortunately. Um, it's more, even more secretive than, than Star Wars, I think. Um, <clears throat> what I can say is that I think the people behind that show are incredible. You know, Zalbat Mangalij and Britt Marling. They, they are they're phenomenal it was really great to link up with Lol Crawley again who's um, the DP on that who, who also shot um, Four Lions which is an indie movie I did back in the day um, so it was a great team I I, I want to say lots of things I want to talk about how excited I am but I, I I literally cannot say anything I figured that was the answer I was going to get but I had to try yeah no. I have, all I can say is I've seen it and it's 
fascinating. Okay, right. Well, you've seen it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, have when, you seen it? When we go off air, we'll be we will be talking. We have to talk about that, right? We will be talking. Um, what do you look for in a part? Um, something a bit unexpected, I think. Um, I try and I try not to think too much about. Oh, is this different from the last thing I did? But I think that's quite natural because um, creatively, that that kind of greed I think is is uh, is important. You know, the, the creative ambition to kind of push yourself and stretch yourself. The reason I try not to think too much about that is because that's about me, and that's like about my, to some extent, you know, creative ego. Like, oh, can I do this? Can I try this? And it's good to kind of push yourself and stretch yourself, but that's that's not really relevant. I think if you start getting into that kind of line of thinking, then you're bringing a whole set of concerns and anxieties and thoughts to the table of, about this new character that have nothing to do with the character. Oh, but I had that haircut in the last one. I mean, what, what does that? What does the last one have to do with this character in this world? Nothing, you know. So I try to keep that out of mind, but. To the extent that it's there, I think it, it can be healthy. Which is, you know, have I have I tackled this before? Um, that's that's you know, I guess, uh, relatively speaking. You know, I've only been doing this for ten years. I feel like I want to, you know, I still want to push myself and stretch myself um, in in that way. But I'm also looking for something unexpected on the page. You know, where you you might think, oh, this is that character, and it's like, oh, what? Where did that go? Or you know, unearthing the hidden agendas or the nuances of a character, trying to just step outside of archetypes, you know, um, even if those are the kind of, in, that, that's the initial kind of GPS we use to kind of, you know, find our way through a story. Yeah, just the unexpected, I think. So you've obviously had quite a year. You're going to be in a little movie called Star Wars. <clears throat> what made you want to be in that movie? I'll be honest, I didn't even know they were making this movie. I did not know that it existed. Um, I I was actually watching the Force Awakens trailer in bed while I was watch- while I was shooting the night of on a rare morning off, and um, got a call from my agent saying, "Do you know Gareth Edwards?" And I knew his work from Monster, which is an amazing British independent movie that he wrote, directed, produced, shot, and did all of the effects for. Um, and I said, "Yeah, he's awesome." You know, what's he doing? She said, and my agent said, um, "He's doing the new Star Wars film," and I said. They've already shot the new Star Wars film. She explained to me what was going on. He called me up. And, and it was really, I think it was that combination. I mean, look, first of all, who doesn't want to be in a Star Wars film? Amazing experience. Um, what a privilege and honor to be part of that. You know, this shared cinematic kind of heritage that, that so many people connect to around the world. I mean, what a gift. Absolutely. Um, what an honor. Um, but I think particularly the combination of the Star Wars world with Gareth Edwards, with his kind of almost kind of scrappy rough around the edges docu-realism that he brought to the table with Monster that was exciting to me and when he spoke to me on the phone that was what he explained he wanted to do with the film was um, you know push push that push the grittiness of it you know and make it feel almost just just like a war movie and I th- I think that he really has achieved that you know um, which is exciting to me you know it's, it's at once familiar but quite bold and quite quite distinctive what if anything can you reveal about your role um well actually i think they've kind of um revealed quite a bit about the different characters um because they are all new characters you know we're not kind of preserving the uh the, it's not about the skywalker saga 
um, it's important that people maybe know a little bit going into it. And so, really, my character is a long distance truck driver. That's all he is. He's a he's a, an imperial cargo pilot, and the reason he works for the empire isn't because he's a bad guy. It's just because he's trying to earn a living. And to me, I think that's kind of cool. You know, these um, so many kind of characters in Star Wars or in other mythology, they're, they're kind of born into greatness. They're from an important family, or they're politicians, or they're royalty. I love the idea that you've just got an average Joe who's trying to make ends meet, stuck in a difficult situation, but decides just because I am, you know, the guy on the street doesn't mean I can't make a difference. And I think that's actually quite an inspirational message for the times we're living in right now. Um, you know, if you're willing to stand up for what you believe in and make a sacrifice and, you know, do the right thing, you can make a difference. So what's next for you? What do you want to tackle next? Um, there's a couple of things uh, around for next year that, that um, I probably can't mention right now, but I I, um, I guess I'll say that I, I'm eager to continue doing um, films of, of different sizes um, and that occupy very different kinds of shelf space, if you will. You know, um, I come from an indie movie background and, um, you know, having worked with people like Michael Winterbottom and Sally Potter and... Um, I want to kind of continue that in that vein uh, alongside kind of getting to grips with these bigger beasts that are new to me you know these bigger films you know Bourne and, and Star Wars and these longer shoots which, which develop a different kind of creative stamina um, I want to kind of maintain a range really in the, in the kind of projects that I do um, so that's what I'll say on the acting side uh, aside from that I'm also kind of writing um, I wrote and directed a short um, a couple of years back and um, been working on a TV series for a while so um, I'll certainly be kind of yeah, trying to find some time on set to scribble away on that side of things writing a TV series? yeah writing a TV series um, with a view to directing uh, at least a chunk of it you know so yeah fantastic and as you look back over the course of your pretty accomplished career at this point is there a role that you're proudest of? You know, it's weird. I, I kind of feel like I um, pick holes in all my work, and that can be healthy. Sometimes, it, you know, I can go too far with it and get kind of obsessive. Like, like when I, I sent, you know, so many different takes of uh, my Star Wars edition to Gareth Edwards, I think I almost probably lost lost myself the role, uh, spamming him so much. Um, but I, f- I feel like um, something like Four Lions. Um, or, or shifty or ill manners I guess I, I, I view them with a certain pride because they were made completely against the odds you know we shot them in three weeks we shot them in four weeks you know if you were a betting man you would bet they would go straight to VHS somewhere and they would never find an audience so I guess just the fact that we made those films in such a short period of time and they did find an audience they went on to become kind of cult classics in the UK I, I feel very proud of of that you know that those projects ended up landing you know so we got all the way through the podcast and i haven't asked you to freestyle rap so i think that's a amazing per- <laughs> yeah thank you so much you're welcome i think it's a perfect note to end on thank you so much for coming in and congratulations on everything thank you so much Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest. We've got Lee Daniels, the executive producer of Empire and Fox's new show, Star. This has been Remote Controlled, only on Variety.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.